meeting of October 23rd, 2023, and is now seven o'clock exactly. So um, let's start with the Pledge of Allegiance and board member Ariza will lead us in the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, Thank you. Um, so, staff, um, the roll call, please. Yes, good evening. Um, board member Ruiz? Here. Board member Sahiba? Present. Board member Cisneros? Here. Board member Ariza? Here. And President Hom? Here. We have a quorum. Yeah, we have a quorum, and I will talk a little bit more about it, but you know, for those who don't know, unfortunately, um, board member Ron Curtis passed away about a week ago, so we'll take the end of this meeting to probably say a few words and adjourn the meeting uh, with a moment of silence in his honor. So, yeah, very sad news. So, um, next item, any agenda changes? Or no? Okay, no. moving on. Um, next is a non-agenda public comments. This is an opportunity for anyone to speak for three minutes regarding uh, any item that is not on tonight's agenda. Do we have any speakers? Uh, yes, we have one uh, online uh, speaker, uh, Shelby Sheehan. Okay, all right. Hi there, thank you. Um, I have a few things I want to talk about tonight. Um, the first thing is that at the last meeting, uh, Alan Ty was directed to follow up with me about the O Club parking lot issue. And I did receive an email from him today a little bit before five, where he says that uh, it's a, the, the parcel is owned by the school district and that they don't need to have a permit from the planning department, which I know is not true because they just did some permits for the Singleton Avenue projects. And um, it's also a parking lot. And I've recently discovered that, that the use is supposed to be a corporation yard and it's right across the street from a residential district. So um, the other thing that he said was that the, set, the fence was under six feet, which it's not. And so I, I, I'm having a little trouble with the veracity of Mr. Tai's statements. And he also said that there's nothing they can do, which I also know is not true. So um, this is an inappropriate place for an inappropriate project. And there, ha there must be a way that the public can weigh in on it. And I, I highly doubt that this isn't a project that shouldn't be permitted. If so, I'd like to see the regulations about that. And then, uh, I just wanted to remind you guys about the Sunshine Ordinance. Uh, there is, there are provisions in the Sunshine Ordinance that say that you that you may respond to the public during the public comment period. So, um, I would like a little bit more public involvement in the public process, especially questions like mine, which I don't know if you can answer tonight. But um, I, we need to have the ability to oppose this project, and uh, so. I just think that there that I need to be followed up with because it can't be legal, which actually goes toward the theme that is most of my complaints about is that the city does not enforce the law when it comes to city projects or 
city benefiting, benefiting projects. And so uh, I really don't want to have to keep coming back. You know, I want the city to follow the law. They're not enforcing the historic preservation code. I live in one of the big whites. Um, they won't enforce code violations. They won't, you can't even get a code enforcement inspection out here most of the time. I finally got one after asking for five years. And when they find violations of the historic preservation code, for example, at the Veterans Memorial Building, they will not enforce the law against city-owned properties. And I think that's wrong. There's a prosecution unit that's supposed to be independent of the city attorney and, and prosecute anyone who violates the law. And the city should not be exempt from its own law. And, there, and this project that I just talked about absolutely is out of compliance with all the codes. So I don't believe that, that Alan Ty knows nothing about it and I want something to be done, please. Okay, thank you for your comments. I believe um, these were similar comments from the last meeting or there might be something new and I understand staff did speak with uh, the speaker regarding her concerns. Um, so I'll leave it to staff, but I wanted to just comment also that um, whereas board members, we can ask clarifying questions and just basic questions, unless the item is agendized on the agenda per the Brown Act requirements, we, we cannot really dive into significant detail regarding the item, unless it is agenda, I'd say, at a future meeting. Uh, Stephen? Yeah, I would just say um, I actually um, took a little field trip out there today and um, took some photographs, and um, there is a, uh, a new chain link fence around this property. Um, it's uh, for security purposes. Um, I understand that there's a third party that may be interested in using the property. Um, and so um, we were in touch with them a few months ago um, and uh, they've now um, made an application. I think this is the same property. Um, and so they're in the process of um, obtaining a permit. So that will be um, agendized at some point um, as a um, zoning permit. Okay, so it's an item that will be coming to the planning board or is it a staff level uh, review and approval? Well, it's sort of discretionary whether it's a zoning administrator uh, item or a planning board item, but it sounds like given the interest, um, we would probably bring it to you. Okay, all right. Okay, look forward to seeing that item if, mm -hmm. it, if you decide it should come before the planning board. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, staff. Um, we're moving on to item number four, which is the consent calendar, and we have three items on the consent calendar. They all deal with uh, the annual review of, um, of the development agreements. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I want to open up. Are there any questions or comments from, from staff at all? I'm not staff, from uh, board members? Or comments from staff? Yeah. I move to approve the consent calendar. Okay, uh, moved by Board Member Ruiz. Any a second? I second. A second by Board Member Ariza. And I understand we can just approve the consent calendar with a voice vote. Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, it, it it is also proper to take comment if there is any. Oh yes, C 
that's right. Sorry about Although that. Although there isn't a lot of discussion involved, yeah. uh, I mean, it's just comment. Do we have any uh, public speakers on this item? Uh, yes, we have uh, one uh, public speaker, Shelby Sheehan. Okay. Hi there again. Um, as I said, my theme, I'm not sure, is this, uh, does this include the site A um, review? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That would be okay. item 4A. Okay, thank you. So I did, um, I did uh, submit a comment on that. I don't know if you guys received it. Um, Laura did say that she forwarded it to you. And that, mo that, that again is it's a city project where they're the beneficiaries. They're also the lead agency. And they also, also decide the permit conditions and the development conditions. So um, this is something that I've noticed that I got involved with in May with the West Midway and Reshape project that the there seems to be ignoring the fact that the 2014 Alameda Point EIR is the uh, authoritative uh, regulatory document on development there. And there's also other laws that I detailed uh, that I detailed extensively in the comment that I submitted to you. And these this project in particular is not in compliance with the Alameda Point EIR. The limit, the residential unit limit in the Alameda Point EIR is 1,425 total units, and that includes the units that existed prior to the development, and those were 268. So the total allowable residential units at Alameda Point as a whole for new, uh, new units is 1,157. So how, how, how the Site A project itself can proposed 1,300 or more new units is just the math doesn't work. Um, the housing element is not a regulatory document, uh, so that so that that doesn't apply. The general plan and the general plan EIR both recognize that the Alameda Point EIR is the uh, uh, authoritative regulatory document, and the zoning ordinances also uh, recognize it. And then the uh, the waterfront plan is where site A is located, and that has a specific plan. And those requirements are codified in the zoning ordinance. And uh, all these changes in the last year with the amendments ever since the uh, housing element was approved have made the project out of compliance with Plan Bay area, the mixed use, and has exceeded the allowed uh, build out for all of Alameda Point. So uh, I think this needs to be reviewed. I think it needs to be I think the offending uh, provi uh, provisions of the contract need to be removed because this project cannot go forward it, when it's out of compliance with the environmental review documents. Uh, and I hope that you look at it. And uh, like I said, I sent you something way too long as usual, but the only way to document things is to show you where the documents are. I even, I even have links in it, for my references, so you can look at the source documents yourself. And I beg you to take a second look at it. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comments. Um, my understanding is that the amendments to this project um, were brought before the planning board for each amendment, including review for compliance with the CEQA requirements. Is that correct? Yes, I would just say you're correct. The planning board and city council reviewed um, the um, development plan amendments, and um, there's a uh, development agreement and a development and disposition agreement. So I think all of those approvals have been through the proper channels, um, including uh, sequel review for tiering off of prior EIRs and other studies. So um, I think 
you know, there's, there's ample documentation of those decisions being made, and this is merely reviewing compliance with those agreements that have already been entered into. Okay, thank you. So we have a, a motion. Um, so at this point, a voice vote on favor of approving the consent calendar. Aye. 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 Any opposed? No. No is abstentions. So the uh, consent calendar approved unanimously. 5-0. So let's see. Now we're moving on to the regular agenda items. And we have one item tonight is item 5A, which is a design review application at 1251 Park Street to construct a new 3,316 square foot mixed use two-story building and that includes commercial and two residential units. Staff, presentation please. Uh, yes, thank you, uh, President Hom and members of the board, uh, David Sablon, with the Planning and Building and Transportation Department. Um, so tonight, um, we'll be, uh, uh, you'll be making actions or, or considering a project at 1251 uh, Park Street. Um, just to kind of give you some background on the property itself, it was uh, originally built in 1922 and it was heavily altered in 1941. Um, and then uh, this photograph you see here is um, from 1979. And so um, it's been uh, several minor alterations since then. Um, this, the, pro the building itself has been vacant since 2020. Um, and so earlier this year, the applicant um, submitted an application to demo the existing building and to uh, propose a new building in its place. Um, to, since it was built before 1942, the Historical Advisory Board uh, needed to issue a certificate of approval. Um, they did so earlier this month on October 5th, uh, basically finding that you know this is not an exemplary commercial uh, block building. Um, it was never associated with the Park Street Historic District, um, which st traditionally starts north of this project site. And the original builder uh, did not have it was not uh, did not have a significant con contribution to the city's commercial development. Um, so, uh, what the project is, it's a design review for a new 3,316. Uh, 316 square foot, uh, two-story mixed-use building. Uh, the ground floor would have a 1,400 square foot uh, commercial space, and then there would be two residential units on the second floor. Um, and the building uh, proposes to replace uh, existing dilapidated one-story commercial building. And then, um, just to clarify, this is a discretionary design review. It's not. Um, it's not uh, subject to the objective design review standards, and so we're reviewing it with consistency with the citywide design review manual as opposed to compliance with uh, objective design review standards. Um, so the kind of an overview of the design, uh, traditional style building with horizontal siding on the upper floor, um, painted stucco on the ground floor, and um, storefront windows with over a tile bulkhead um, compatible uh, with buildings in the neighborhood. Um, at the Historical Advisory Board meeting, um, they recommended several conditions of approval um, or design changes that which staff has included as conditions of approval, um, main, main ones being that uh, they requested a transom window over the entry doors, uh, that they're, they're, uh, currently it shows a brick bulkhead and they uh, recommend changing it to a tile bulkhead, um, the, that the recess entry should have a special tile floor and a wood ceiling. Um, specify the fabric awning um, 
instead of vinyl windows, have fiberglass windows, and then the Mutton's uh, fixed windows uh, are on the fixed windows to match single hung uh, windows. Um, uh, smooth serviced uh, horizontal siding and clarify uh, finishes and the colors. Um, so with that, I'm here to answer any questions. Uh, Deirdre McCartney also worked on this project, available online um, to answer any questions as well. Any questions at this point from staff or to staff? Okay. Um, oh, Count board member Sahiba. Yeah, uh, thanks for the presentation. I was just curious, um, in the slide where you showed the comments uh, from the historical advisory board, it, is that the process uh, this project needed to go through, was to go to the historical advisory board? Yes, yes, because it um, because the building was built before 1942. Anytime you're going to demo uh, a building built before 1942, uh -huh. whether it's a historic resource or not, um, it needs to be approved by the historical advisory board. Even if that building's being demoed and a new building's being built in its place? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay, because... Okay. Well, it's kind of a process to make sure that we're not demoing or allowing the historic you know, uh, resource to be demoed, and so that's kind of what the, the whole process was. The staff looked at the records to see if there's anything uh, that might be uh, noteworthy about it, and so uh, since there was, wasn't anything, they uh, uh, approved uh, okay, so the historical advisory board commented on the existing building that's uh, there well, then they then they they also be you know presented uh, provided comments on the new building itself. No, I know they did that, yeah. but I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. So their commentary extends beyond the existing building. Correct. Yes. That's there currently. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. And then uh, also, when in the process is is there a separate? Um, there's a sign ordinance, right? That we have. Yeah, so signs are uh, exempt from design review, but they do okay. go through, yeah, there is a sign ordinance, um, and so, uh, yeah, that's handled at a staff level, um, but yeah, um, I don't believe, no, there isn't any special design guideline or sign guidelines for Park Street um, like there is for Webster Street. Okay, and the mixed use portion of this as far as the ground, I, I see that there's two units above mm -hmm. on the second floor. On the ground floor, is it um, a specific use that they're... Uh, yeah, I believe the owner uh, is, is a bagel shop. I can't remember which one, the existing one on Park Street, but they plan to move into this building. Oh, I see. So it's a bagel shop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I think those are all. Of, oh, uh, last comment. The, the writing was a little small on here. I wasn't able to click on the link, but what what's the setback between the property line and the, and, and the building? Yeah, towards, well, page down in this view. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the, the southern property the so, line? Yeah, the southern property uh, line. Yeah, I don't have that off the Okay. Yeah. It, I, I was just curious, I mean, uh, uh, since they are locating windows along ten, that edge? 10 feet or so. Oh, do you? Yeah, eight and a half. Oh, it's here? Okay. I, I, those, those are all my questions. Thank you. Um, board member Ruiz. For the record, it's shown on page A7, and it's A foot five. Thank you. Board member Cineros. Uh, yeah, thanks for the presentation. Um, this seems pretty straightforward, and um, uh, I'm excited to see that the dilapidated building would be 
uh, reinvigorated with this new use. Um, I guess uh, it seems like these recommendations are to improve the aesthetics of the building. Um, I'm definitely not an architect. Um, I'm just curious, like the transom window, like um, maybe in addition to aesthetics, like what's like the functional reason for it, if any? Um, well, you know, if it if the they ever choose to remove the awning, it provides light and air, um, you know, um, and then also kind of, uh, I guess, activates the space to the to the sidewalk. Kind of shows off the the grand height of the the because we um, you know ask for twelve to fourteen foot tall uh, ground floor and so that kind of adds to that. Thank you. Okay. Any, what member Ariza? Um, thank you for the presentation, and I agree um, with the board members that this um, is um, good to see an improvement to this building. Um, I guess I just have one comment that really jumps at me that it's more of a suggestion for unit two. Um, I was looking at the facade and it looks like the living and dining area only has a very small window in the kitchen and I was wondering if you move the kitchen to the wall kind of back to back to the bathroom, maybe there would be room for a w larger windows and a better quality in that unit of light. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a suggestion. Um, other than that, I think it looks great. Thank you. Okay. At this point, I'll open up the public hearing. If the applicant would like to um, make a presentation. Uh, yeah, the, the applicant doesn't have a presentation. No presentation yeah. at all? Okay. Okay. Um, then at this point, no, no public speakers. Any speakers on this item? No, nobody's okay, raised their hand. No public speakers. So at this point, I'm going to close the public hearing and open it up to board comments. <laughs> board member Sahiba. <laughs> Thank you. I see it on your face. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, th thanks for bringing this um, building t for review. I, I mean, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that there's going to be this new development um, and really probably better use of, of what the site area is currently. Um, I, w I, I guess I would say that if there is an opportunity to uh, even just, just on the, I, I, based on the comments that you shared with us that the historical advisory board made, um, I'm not sure if, you know, I'm not going to really respond to those, but I, I would say that, uh, at least in, I would propose for them. I mean, I, th I, you know, this is a small scale project, so I don't think there's much, you know, there's there's really minimal um, impact that it's going to have to the to the street frontage, but I would say that. Uh, really to look at the canopy and to think of what it would feel like is something that is along um, the urban environment of Park Street. I know we do have a lot of canopies and I think one of the things is to really think about how it potentially could become more robust. Uh, also, if the applicant could also consider as they refine um, the design, how to create a strategy of arrival for the residents versus the business because currently the canopy stretches the entire way 
but I think if there was a, um, a little bit more recess to the door into the residential development, it could create a little bit more of an entryway that separates it from the business portion and the canopy just extend over the business portion, then you have a natural recess over the door for the residents, you know, so you don't really need the canopy in that area. I think just distinguishing between the two programs might be nice as uh, creating a little bit more, um, you know, clarity on the, f on the facade. Um, and uh, outside of that, yeah, maximizing the amount of glazing they can have up at the residence, re residential units obviously would always be great. Um, I think it is a little unfortunate that where they've located the bathrooms, uh, or, I'm sorry, the, the, the kitchens are, is the living space, but the actual, uh, for, the, for the front unit, oh, well, I guess both units, the kitchen is on the exterior wall. Um, which then minimizes the impact of the glass because it can only be right above the, um, the countertop, um, which basically it, it's act, it acts as a backsplash or a window above the sink in both cases. That's really a small amount of glazing for a living space. Um, I don't know if you all have done the calculations of percentage of light and air into that space based on uh, the size of the room, but quite honestly, it it's it feels very minimal. Um, my recommendation would be to it, it, there, there's more glazing in the bedrooms than in the living space, um, which I, I think that room will feel not so um, inviting. I don't I I didn't see any skylights on the roof, so I'm just going to assume there's no light coming in from above. But I I. I would recommend them they rethink that or even think of flipping the living room towards the front towards Park Street uh, for that for that unit that's that's towards Park Street and then embed the bedrooms in the back if they could you know instead of a split two bedroom you know put that living space again it's all internal workings but I the main comment is the living spaces could really um, benefit from better light and air my concern would be you would not even be able to operate that window so well, you know, past the sink, like where, where it's located, if it's an operable window, which I uh, assume it is. Um, so just some suggestions to try to, I, I think you buffer the noise of Park Street as well, if the living space goes towards um, the street and the bedroom get put, gets pushed back on that front unit. Uh, so that, that's just a recommendation. I think these, um, outside of that, I would say the materiality of the second floor, if I'm reading this correctly, it's just, it, it continues to wrap, but then the um, there's a datum that's established. I mean, personally, it's such a small building um, my recommendation would just be whatever material they choose, just go with that material everywhere and not bifurcate it between the second floor and the ground floor. You're going to read this building three-dimensionally, so y you are going to see one stretch of material go on the second floor and another stretch. It's different when you think of um, taller buildings where you could start you know, separating uh, and creating a band. This is a two-story building. I mean, when we go through our neighborhoods, right, we typically see one cohesive material. Um, that'd be my recommendation. Again, I'm 
I'm just giving a lot of recommendations uh, just to hopefully improve the project. But I, I think aesthetically that would feel better for the environment on Park Street. And it also simplify, I think, their design strategy as well. So those are my recommendations. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And Board Member Ruiz. Thank you. Um, so I agree with Board Member Sahiba, and actually I will go a step further, is looking at the way the materiality is divided, the facade, given the building is so small right now because the, the height of the parapet wall, we have effectively created a perception of two equal parts. And that is not the proportion that we want to have an equal stucco base and an equal um, brick top. If anything, you want a heavier bottom and a lighter top, but that proportion is not red in this design. And I would actually recommend just use a brick all the way throughout the side. Then that will make the building look more holistic because the building is so small. And that will be my comment on this design. Board Member Ruiz, just to clarify, uh, when you say extend the brick all the way up, what could you Right now, on? the ground floor, if uh -huh. you look at the north and south facade, is um, stucco. stucco, right. And so what happened is if you look at the dimension on the side, mm -hmm. um, looking at the base is 12 feet. And you take the top, the eight foot plus one, that's nine plus another three six of the um, parapet wall, we have um, 12 six, which is taller than the base. So it becomes a top heavy building. Mm -hmm. And brick is often perceived as a heavier material than stucco. Mm -hmm. So you know, in reality, it's gonna look top heavy. and out of place. So I would like to ask the applicant to put brick in the bottom facade okay. as well. On the first floor, not, mm -hmm. not the yeah. necessarily the second floor. So the well, second floor can still be the horizontal siding? Is that what? No, that's brick. It's, it's brick. It's brick. The, the, oh, the, the second floor. Oh, I yeah, thought it was yeah, yeah. horizontal siding. Oh, okay, sorry. Was it no, he changed to wood siding. Wait. Yeah, it's, it's wood siding. Oh. Yeah, I thought it was wood siding on the second floor. Am I misreading the plans? No, you're right. I'm no, sorry. My it mistake. Is. It is. That's, uh, well, but that's is not that what, what the rendering shows? <laughs> yeah, if, if I may. I, I think the rendering is a little, maybe just the way it's printed. I think it's meant to be just horizontal bands of, of wood, um, like a eight-inch shiplap or, you know, um, so but it prints kind of fuzzy, so it looks like it has more brick, of a, more of a pattern, or maybe that's just how they rendered it. But anyway, I, I, I did wanna say, I, I hear what you're saying. I think there's maybe a proportional thing and a, and a mass thing going on here. I think and it just needs to be cohesive. Yeah, if, yeah. if it's a brick and then stucco and then wood siding, then we have a bigger problem. <laughs> it's, it, it sounds like it's either it's it's siding and it's, it's either all siding, mm -hmm. yeah. And I and I think there may be a color element that's going on here too, where it's a white stucco with a darker color above, which may feel a little You're gonna look backwards. It's going to feel top heavy. Mm -hmm. So I think um, I I trust that you know my direction, our direction. Oh, okay. okay. Well, we could kind of express it in the motion right. when yeah. we get around to it. I think what what I recall was they were proposing horizontal wood siding but a texture kind of pattern and the uh, HAB uh, recommended changing to a smooth 
So that's why you see kind of a texture, because they probably intended it to be a textured wood siding, and HAB recommended uh, smooth. Yeah, they no, um, they recommended cedar mill, so it does have a texture. Mm. Yeah, it's a texture siding. Okay. Um, okay, um, any other board members that have questions or comments? Comments, yeah, I, I guess I offered my comment earlier, but I just wanted to say I agree with um, board member Sahiba and board member Reese's comments, and it, it definitely feels like to make it more cohesive, you would have to choose maybe like a base material and then uh, a second material that is on top of it that is lighter so it doesn't look top heavy. Um, so maybe there's brick at the bottom and then stucco or siding, one or the other. But, and I don't understand that horizontal line that is, so I guess that's a question, that is dividing the stucco and the siding. Is that supposed to be some sort of accent trim or something? I don't see a note. Mm -hmm. But that seems also to be dividing the building in a odd fashion right in the middle. Um, so that band maybe could be located in a different place. Mm -hmm. So that it creates more of a, a base and a top. Because of the proportion of the building, I think that's, that's why that happens. Anyway. Mm -hmm. That yeah. might get to the comment about trying to have the uh, lower floor have a little bit higher proportion versus the second floor. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Any uh, other? Uh, right. And I think that's true for the transom windows and the doors, but as far as the walls and the three-dimensional materiality of the building, um, perhaps you don't need to accentuate the, where the floor is. The floor separating the first and the second floor, which is what it seems these lines are doing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, any other comments from Board members, any comments? Okay. Yeah, I have a couple comments too, and and it very much um, piggies back on both board member Ruiz and board member Sahiba's comment. Um, to me, the I could see the functionality of the um, seat, I mean the canopy. Um, I like the idea of transom windows, you know, and usually they might be a little bit more decorative with um, a little bit more, you know, you know, kind of glazing or decorative feature to reflect the historic character of the architecture in the 1930s or whatever. I don't have a problem with the canopy itself, but, the, but I think the design of the building should reflect that a good quality design, even if the canopy is not there. You know, so um, I do agree that the the canopy looks. I know this being changed to cloth, but it looks quite ordinary to me. So I don't know what can be done to if it's going to be a canopy to enhance it a bit. So I kind of agree with that comment. Um, one of the my comment is the 
the entry treatment, which uh, board member Sahiba commented on, it seems like that needs a little bit of attention. From what I can see, there's no, no uh, call, maybe it's, they plan to do this, but a door is shown as like a plain door right flush to the street. And is there a way to kind of enhance it somehow, set it back a little bit? Uh, I, I like the idea of also introducing a transom window over that door too, so you have a consistency across the entire storefront where you have the, so it, you see some consistency between the entrance, the entrance for the, I mean the window for the commercial building, and then you have the transom window that just continues to me having all that glazing it would tie together right now to me and looks a little awkward. Um, uh, I like th the idea of possibly, um, I don't know how it quite look, but if you can enhance the entrance and maybe the canopy doesn't go across the entire building, so it just highlights the commercial piece and somehow you accentuate that residential entrance. So, you know, studying that possibility too. Um, I agree with the, the comments regarding the glazing. I looked at the floor plan and, you know, part of me says, I'm not sure, you know, if they want that floor plan. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to get into coming on floor plans, but I found uh, the location of the bedrooms and the kitchen areas a little bit, a little bit odd. But hey, that's. I'm not sure I want to comment on the interior layout, the floor plan. Um, I also agree that the materials for the building, where stucco on the bottom and then wood siding on the top, you know. It, I, it does look a little top heavy, so I agree with the comments there. And sometimes that can be treated by a, a paint color, but maybe there's there is something else. I mean, part of me says this is a small enough building. Is like, uh, why do you need to have it divided up between stucco and wood siding? You know, uh, maybe there's two types of wood siding. You know, there's there's kind of a larger scale wood siding, and then a smaller scale wood siding on top to kind of accentuate the bottom level and somehow dealing with the proportions that, I see a not no, <laughs> that's fine, you know. <laughs> I've seen it done and I think it could look decent, but that's my opinion, I know. But some, I think it gets to the general comment that the current look of the building with the light stucco and the wood above does look top heavy, so what, what can you do to address that? So. Those are my comments. So at this point, um, I'm gonna open it up for further board discussion and also a motion with some uh, recommendations. I move to approve the project um, with the following conditions. Mm -hmm. um, the, app, I, the applicant to, should revise the design um, to show um, more cohesive material on the exterior as well as, um, do you want to put the entrance? As well as um, emphasize on the residential entrance or give it its own identity and the applicant should work with those staff on this. Okay, so um, a motion to move by board member Ruiz. Uh, do we have a second on the motion for discussion? Uh, I'll second that. Okay, uh, seconded by Board member Sahiba. So discussion among board members? Okay, I hear two amendments. One is to 
take a look, work with AFCA on the cohesiveness of the materials based on the comments expressed by the board. And there's different suggestions, but the main thing is make the bill a little bit more cohesive. And the second amendment is uh, relook at the design of the entrance for the residential units. Um, and, so, and somehow enhance that from a design standpoint. That capture the two, your two amendments? My only question is, does board member um, Ariza and uh, Sahaba wanted to add the um, enlargement of additional window, additional windows to, I know the interior plans is not the purview of this board, but the exterior window is. So do we want to add that? It's, it's a your yeah, choice. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think we would want to add that condition okay. Okay, so for that the living spaces to have larger okay. windows. Which yeah. was, I think, a good comment. So the third amendment is taking a look at uh, maximizing the glazing uh, for the living areas mm -hmm. and yeah, to the extent possible. They're welcome to rearrange, you know, the unit plan to achieve <coughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think there's a way of um, turning the kitchen cabinetry to a side wall would yeah. open up that entire yeah. window wall. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of the suggestion. I think yeah. that, would, that would be the easy solution. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I liked, just to bring that back, um, the, that maybe flipping the bedroom and the social area would give more privacy to the bedroom yeah, could be. as a note. Yeah, that could be something as a suggestion for the applicant to consider. I, you know, part of me says the floor plan is something <laughs> I don't normally think is the purview of the board, but that might be something as to address the glazing issue because it does seem like by changing the floor plan they could improve well, it's a here. I think it's a recommendation to add value, mm -hmm. so they might get better rent on the place. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they yeah. can take it or leave. Yeah, they might. Yeah, they might just think about the floor plan. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. look to you know have some questions. Uh, board members, Cineros. Yeah, yeah um, just from the discussion, I I want to ask um, board member Ruiz and Arisa um, about the comment about the canopy like it seemed like um president Hom and remember sahaba both mentioned something about having it more um modern or exciting in some way um i don't know how others feel or to me that's going to that's going to be incorporated into the residential design when you work with a residential design you have to mm -hmm. modify the, the the canopy okay so we we can in that amendment we say can expand to say both the residential entry as well as the canopy itself because mm -hmm. they, they are kind of interconnected. Yeah. That, so that's why I didn't realize. Yeah. yeah. I think um, these conditions provide a little leeway for the architect to work with staff and mm -hmm. hopefully it captures kind of the design direction that the board is seeking. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I think uh, you captured quite a bit of. Uh, uh, suggestions and I think your motion captures the, the the overall intent so I think we're good okay all right okay if no further comments let's take a vote on this item I believe it's a is it a voice yeah voice vote okay all in favor of this approving the design review with the I guess three is it three conditions three conditions is that okay okay aye Aye. 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 Any opposed? So it's 5-0. Um, design review approved. Okay.
just see, moving on, this, only, this was the only item on the regular agenda, so we're, we're down to item number six, which is staff communications. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is versus 6A is um, planning, reporting out on planning, building, and transportation department uh, recent actions and decisions. Yeah, I would just say we've been busy. Uh, we had a zoning administrator hearing, and we've also been uh, acting on uh, design review and tree removal permits. So um, those are in your attachment 6A, um, and those are uh, subject to uh, call for review or appeal um, expiring uh, this week. And um, we have many more in the pipeline, uh, lots of smaller projects. Um, and then uh, we're still sort of anticipating some of these bigger projects coming in as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, item 6B, or report on future public meetings, upcoming planning, planning department projects. Uh, nothing comes to mind. Um, I, th I think we're, we're trying to, like I said, with our scheduling, uh, keep the, the meeting after Thanksgiving. Uh, clear of items, but you'll have a meeting in uh, early November and then in early December. Okay, so one meeting in November and then next meeting towards the end of December? Uh, early December. Early December, yeah. okay, 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 thanks. Um, that's, that's all, then we go on to board communications. So this is for uh, board members to make any announcements that they would, or, would like to announce to the public? Um, uh, board member Cineros. Um, I guess related to the upcoming meeting schedule, um, I'm gonna be out on Monday the 13th. So I know we have a very tight um, quorum. So um, just a heads up on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the next step in terms of um, filling vacancies is for uh, solicitation of uh, interest uh, from the community, and then some interviews, and then uh, nominations and selection by the city council. So it, it may take a couple of months, yeah. So thank, thank you for the heads up. That means we'll still have a quorum if uh, the other four are here. Okay. Any other, any other board communications? Okay, I'm moving on to non-agenda public comments. So this is a second opportunity for anyone to speak for three minutes regarding any matter not on the agenda. Uh, yeah, we have uh, one speaker, Shelby Sheehan. Hi, I'm not sure if this complies because it is, does really reflect back to the site A, but I could speak about um, Alameda Point in general and then maybe it will comply. So is it possible for me to continue to speak on, on that? Um, it needs to be non-agenda items, items that are not okay. on tonight's agenda. Okay, so I'll, I'll just keep it general if you don't mind. Um, but first, I, I, I do want to thank uh, Stephen Buckley for providing the information that I asked for about the Oak Club parking lot. And I would like him to follow up and please provide the permit number for me and let me know how to follow up and object as as I would like to do on it. So thank you for that. And Mr. Buckley, if you could follow up. And then second, um, my the, the document that I submitted to the board 
uh, about the Site A process is actually applicable to all of the development that is in Alameda Point. So I would ask the uh, board members to consider reviewing that and reviewing the Alameda Point EIR just to refresh their memories about what the development limits really are. And um, as far as I know, regulatory compliance is not something that stops just because an amendment has been approved or what stage the project is in. So, uh, so therefore, I, I do think it's timely and, and the board should review these uh, plans as they come up. Um, all of this, again, I said it was, was is documented in, in what I submitted to the board uh, via email, and I think also the clerk uh, submitted it to planning staff. So all of these contracts at Alameda Point require the developer to comply with land use regulations at all times. So if it comes to your attention that they don't, again, I think it's it's timely and it's uh, appropriate for, for the board to consider it. Um, there, any the recent amendments in in all of these projects have been uh, changing public land use and public space to residential units. So it's been diminishing the public benefit from these projects, and uh, it's uh, also violates the stipulations of the Plan Bay Area requirements that these projects. Uh, are required to follow. I think it's Senate Bill 375. And we've the city has received grants for these. So if it violates uh, the land use plans that were that were developed based on these grants, then we could be, then the city could be open for fraud. And uh, any land any project that violates land use regulations is not supposed to be implemented. So if the developer invests money in something that won't be built, then that also leaves the city at risk of liability. So I do also believe that the board has a responsibility to review these for um, uh, the land use regulations. And if approvals are based on erroneous information, then um, that's another reason. You you might have been- you thank, thank you for your comments. Okay, I think at this point, um, we're ready to adjourn the meeting, but before we do, I wanted to acknowledge uh, you know a long dedicated board member ron curtis who very unfortunately passed away about a week ago or a little over a week ago you know i i i was on the i got on the board when ron was already a board member and i can say that he was such a welcoming supportive person and his wisdom and his just the professionalism he displayed on the board was just a really wonderful example to follow in his footsteps. So I'm really honored to work with him. He has a lot of passion for the city and it really came through in his comments. He was very fair um, and just a very courteous person. It was so enjoyable working with him. You know, he's, he's been in this community, involved in this community for over 45 years, instrumental involvement in uh, developing Harbor Bay Isle. So that experience was really beneficial to have that perspective on the board. And uh, he's been on the board now for like close to eight years. So he's accomplished quite a bit. So it's a real loss to, to you know, have him leave the board. But uh, I'm so glad I was had the opportunity to work closely with him for four and a half years, you know. And I wanted to, I asked staff to kind of 
summarize some of the major projects that he was involved in um, deliberating on the planning board. And I just want to quickly acknowledge them because it's a significant project, you know. Uh, tonight, you know, he's very much involved in the Alameda Point, Point uh, Site A project that got approved, the North Housing Project in 2017, um, the North Loop Road uh, Business Park projects, and including Seaplane Lagoon, Fire Station, go on and on. His, his, he has touched so many projects in the city. Um, you know, Alameda Landing, a lot of residential projects that, that, that he has his expertise in. He provided a lot of wonderful comments on objective design standards, making sure that we try to facilitate the process and try to remove a lot of red tape. So he was always sensitive to that from a development standpoint. You know, that, that, the SNL Terminal project, a very controversial project, and involved in two important uh, policy documents recently, adoption of the um, city's general plan, the recent housing element update, which is the first housing element uh, certified by HCD in Alameda County, or in the Bay Area, actually. And uh, so he's contributed considerably to the future of Alameda. His legacy will kind of live on through these projects. So i like to... Uh, offer opportunity for other board members to comment, but I also want to adjourn this meeting uh, in honor of board member Ron Curtis for a moment with a moment of silence. Board member Ruiz. So not to, um, just kind of to add on to what you had just mentioned, board, um, President Hom, that um, I, we started at the same time in the planning board and board member um, Curtis was the, he was the president at the time, and he was very kind in guiding me through um, the process as well when we would go on some um, additional field trips, and he was kind to kind of shepherd me along and mentor me. And one thing I've noticed that is some, often he would come to the board meeting and would say, well, you know, the community members are telling me X, Y, Z, and I thought, wow, he's so accessible. And that has just inspired me to be more accessible to the community so we can, you know, represent a voice. And um, so I aspire me to do better. So he's going to be missed. Board member Sonera. Yeah, thank you. And um, those are um, beautiful words of our um, uh, board member Curtis, who's no longer with us. And uh, I unfortunately didn't have too much time with him. I joined in fall of 2020 and it was a pandemic and um, I really wish I could go back in time and take in those opportunities to get to know him more intimately because he was such um, a great colleague, a great person, as you all have already articulated. Um, I really appreciated how, uh, like you said, that uh, he was so inclusive about the community and always put them first. Um, and he was so diplomatic in that way, just really th being thankful for members of the public, um, taking the time to share their sentiments with us. Um, and yet he was very balanced as well. Like, um, I, I love that he uh, really voiced his perspective and his values and, and his opinions on all projects. And, um, uh, you know, he just had that uh, courage to do that. and. Um, 
you know, I very much looked up to him to, um, for that. And he has such great expertise being a developer, and I really value that perspective and the decisions that we made. Um, and I nodded my head a lot with this comment. So I was like, yeah, I agree with that. So um, he was just invaluable, um, you know, I think, for our uh, decisions, for the community. Um, he made me laugh so many times. Uh, and um, yeah, I uh, really appreciated um, what he brought um, to me, to us, to the community. So yeah, he will be missed. What members did he brought? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I echo a lot of those comments. I think um, uh, for sure board member Curtis will be sorely missed. And uh, I, I really appreciated his perspective when there were, um, I mean, in, in, in the projects that we reviewed together, he had a great sense of putting his developer's hat on and you know, just calling it like it is. And at times he would just say, well, this is never gonna pencil if we force them to do this, or, uh, or even from their perspective, looking at it and, and making some really good business-related um, comments. And so uh, his, his approach was really, um, came, came from a place where he wanted to see success. And I, and I truly appreciated that. So he'll, he will be missed. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just wanna say that like, um, like board member Cisneros, I wasn't um, able to share as much time as other members of the board with him, but definitely I agree with all your comments and he, he, um, he will be missed and I'm sad that it was so sudden um, and just condolences to his family for sure. Okay, with that, let's have a moment of silence for board member um, Ron Curtis. Okay, meeting adjourned at eight o'clock exactly, I believe. Thank you.